This is Abel James, and welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast. This is episode 74. And today I'm joined by one of my most favorite people in this industry or world, Abel James. Abel James is a New York Times bestselling author and modern day renaissance man. He stars as, as a celebrity coach on ABC TV and has been featured in People Magazine, Wired, Forbes, Entertainment Tonight, and NPR. He is one of the people that I first came across when I dived into the um, paleo, primal, wild, ancestral, low-carb, clean living, how many more things can we say, Jeff world. And the thing I love about Abel is that he's just like a regular guy who was following conventional wisdom around what it took to be healthy and he ended up yeah just like he describes himself as having a big moon face and if you look at pictures of Abel you would he is extremely ripped and lean and so just vibrating and radiating with health that you wouldn't even imagine that it would be possible but he felt so peeved that he'd been duped um by um conventional wisdom and was not going to take his doctor's um, prescription in his 20s of what he would have to do to you know, manage his health conditions that he just got onto the internet, started researching like a nerd and came up with a really different way of doing things, which we've all now discovered ourselves. But Abel was one of the first people out there. The name of his business is Fat Burning Man. Well, the name of his podcast is Fat Burning Man. And um, I really love, it's such a play on words, which Abel's going to talk us through the story today. Now, when you jump onto Abel's website, it's so, the first thing you see is a delicious apple pie recipe. Um, and, and I love Abel's um, way of living because it's all about enjoying food, enjoying family time while still keeping your fitness goals. And you can eat just ridiculously good food and move in a really easy way. So just making this whole way of life just so doable and just really understanding that perfectionism is such a myth. Like it just doesn't exist. So Abel's all about how to make this easy, how to make this fun, and just have a great life in the meantime, connecting with your family, keeping social media uh, under control and, you know, just really, just he's just like a living and breathing 
shining example of how to do this in the long term. Now, he's also got his own podcast, The Fat Burning Man Show, which I love tuning into because Evelyn's got such a chocolatey voice. Seriously, you could listen to it all day long. And he's done so well with his show. It's been ranked number one in health in eight different countries for five years in a row and won four different um, awards in independent media with more than 10 million downloads. Um, He's also the host um, and celebrity coach on ABC TV, as I mentioned before, and has worked with some Olympians and authors such as Tim Ferriss, Jackie Warner, Dr. David Perlmutter, and Sean T. So let's dive into the show with Abel. If you want to find out more about Primal Alternative and our range of grain-free foods, which are available in the US and the UK, Australia and New Zealand, and really open to um, hearing from people who want to be Primal Alternative producers anywhere in the world, let's make going grain-free easy for everybody uh, by making it deprivation-free. So if you want to find out more about our range and how to become a Primal Alternative producer, then please head to primalalternative.com and let's have a chat with the fabulous Abel. Abel, it's so cool to have you here. I've literally been following you since I started my Primal journey, which is um, five, six years ago now. And before we dive into... your story and all about Abel James, I would love to find out what you had for breakfast this morning. Haven't eaten yet. Still what? fasting. <laughs> Rocking out. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> so just give but us I, I a time perspective on that because, you know, it's, it must be what, yeah. 4.20 or something in the afternoon, your time? <laughs> yeah, somewhere, somewhere around there. It's uh, We're at 3.30 my time here in the mountains of Colorado. And I will say I don't do total 100% fasting normally every day. Um, so it, it doesn't mean that nothing has crossed my lips. Obviously, I'm drinking water. I've got some coffee right here with heavy cream in it. Um, and I don't include supplements as like breaking the fast, even though technically it will get your gears turning. Um, I, I have taken supplements today as well. Yeah. And even some people uh, define having a coffee as breaking the fast, but I guess it's, um, exactly. it depends, yeah. doesn't it, on, on what you feel works for you. And if it still feels like a fast, then it's a fast. Yeah. And fasting is something I've been playing with for about 10 years now in different ways. And uh, at first it was just skipping a meal here and there. And then I did a, a basically starting to eat at noon or, or 12 until around 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. and did that for a while. And that seemed to work pretty well. But there are pros and cons of every way of doing it. And I've, I've even done don't eat anything except drinking water for three plus days. So they're all quite different. And uh, I will say that in my experience, it generally works more seamlessly for men than it does for women. I was going to ask. Tricky. I was going to ask. You can still that- make intermittent fasting work, but. Yeah, I was just going to ask your wife, Alison, I was, I was just wondering, if does she follow a similar protocol or is it different for her? It's different. Mine is more, my faster longer. And then when I'm eating, I generally eat more. And hers will be more like she'll hold off eating breakfast until, uh, you know, around noon or some days it'll be 10 a.m. if she's feeling more hungry. 
Um, but she's not waking up first thing in the morning, generally speaking, and eating. Um, it's, for the most part, put off a few hours, whereas I'll put it off, you know, until 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 6 p.m. even. Um, And sometimes, you know, if I'm feeling a bit more hungry, then I'll eat earlier in the day. But early for me is is 1 or 2 p.m. (laughs) these days. It it seems the longer I, I do this, the more my fasts get kind of comfortable. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, so I guess you'll be getting to the point where you'll be breaking your fast soon. So what kind of meal or food would you be um, having then? I'm a big fan of breakfast for dinner. <laughs> but I'll say, so that would be things like cheesy eggs and, and bacon and we make homemade pancakes, but they're not super high in carbs and they don't have white flour and that sort of thing. Um, but usually I break my fast by drinking grass-fed bone broth or, or a light soup or a green smoothie or a salad. So the first thing that's hitting my belly is going to be uh, either broth or usually green vegetables, something that is not high glycemic that has a lot of fiber in it. Um, and then I'll kind of move on to nuts. And so I start with foods that, aren't, that don't take a lot of preparation, generally speaking, and are kind of more close to their, their raw state, aside from the broth. And then I'll have a cooked dinner with my wife and friends or family, depending on what we're doing and, and where we're at. And that will almost always be cooked food, unless we're on a really long road trip, which happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. And so do you find that the, the, the salads and the nuts and the, um, the broth, they're easy for you to digest after your... Um, after your longer fast? For me, that works so much better than, you know, I've, I've tried breaking the fast, especially after a workout with something that's more sugary, like homemade cookies. So I'll do that sometimes, but I notice that my blood sugar is spiking and I crave more the rest of the night. If I break the fast with something that's more high glycemic or more sugary or, or even that's more sweet on the sweet side, that seems to do it. Whereas savory things and kind of fresh veg uh, and, and more kind of like savory com- comfort food, that's not quite as, uh, it, it doesn't put you into that crazed manic, I want to eat everything type <laughs> yeah. state. And I need to be careful with that. That definitely hits me sometimes. Well, I think we've all got to be careful with that. And I know Allison's a really good cook and is always whipping up some delicious. Yeah. And you know, like you said about totally. your pan- you said about your pancakes. I mean, there's pancakes and there's pancakes, isn't there? And you can make that's amazing. right. Yeah, and you're the right person to be talking to about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've managed to get a, a few good recipes together. Um, so yeah, no, no need to miss out on anything. Um, yeah, it can be so delicious and completely paleo-fied, can't it? And um, but yeah, you're right. It, there's a big difference between you know pancakes um, or fruit toast uh, versus a green smoothie. <laughs> Some of them are a bit more rich than others. You turn to the cookie monster. You just <laughs> yeah. you want to avoid. So for me, I, I try to, this is a big rule that I try to live by. If I eat a food that makes me more hungry, the more I'm eating it, then I, I really try not to eat that food. That's a trigger food. You know, something that's yeah. going to, uh, every once in a while, it's going to be okay to do that, but you have to know what you're doing. And you can't just kind of mindlessly eat food in front of technology, especially food like that trigger food in front of technology when you're in that fight or flight stage or, or just like scrolling on a feed or watching TV and not paying attention. 
It's like everyone can eat a potato chip or a pancake or a donut or whatever, but you have to pay attention. And it's better if you make it yourself, as you know. Absolutely. And I think that that's a really big one, um, the mindful eating. We were at um, a shopping center the other day. I was with my nearly 13-year-old son and um, we parked outside McDonald's due to lack of parking places outside Target. And um, (laughs) we saw a guy in the car next to us, no judgment, complete judgment. He had his French fries in (laughs) in the little cup and he was drinking them. Like he wasn't even using his hands to you know, fill the chips, put the chips in his mouth. He was drinking the fries whilst scrolling on his phone. And (laughs) I said to Sam, I said, look, he's not, he's not even going to realize he's eaten those French fries. Like what, what's, what's the point? You've missed the whole pleasure. If there is any pleasure to be had from having McDonald's fries, because there's chips and there's chips as well. Right. But yeah, that is a really big one when it comes to trigger food. For sure. Yeah. And it's very easy to eat in the wrong state of being, if that makes sense. You want to, you want to be eating when you're in that rest and digest, like just took a deep breath, mm. starting, uh, everything's going to be okay because we have food now type, type thing. Instead yeah. of, you know, when you eat in the wrong state and you're all hyped up, your body can't digest the way it's supposed to. And that can even lead to sleep problems later on. But more than anything, I think people are just addicted to their phones. <laughs> True. You know, so it's less like he was on his phone while he was eating and probably he's just on his phone all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so true. And we've all done the rushed lunch thing, you know, when we've worked in corporate or, or in the office and you, you know, you've got 20 minutes to scoff your lunch, you're stressed out, you're thinking about what's happened in the morning and all the, you know, terrifying meetings you've got to endure in the afternoon and you scoff it down and then you just have to undo your zip halfway through the afternoon because it's all just fermenting right. in your guts, right? It's not, it's not a good feeling. I've been there. Been there, yeah. Been there, been there. So before I we, I could just totally chat to you all this. It's so cool, but I'm so grateful that you're here. It's really a real cool opportunity to connect with you, Abel. But before of we course, go, thank you for getting in touch. Oh, it's so cool. Um, before we go any further, I'd love to hear. I don't know. I've heard it before, but my listeners may not have heard it. But I really love your story about fat burning man. And why you call yourself the fat burning man. And it might not just be for the reason that most of our low carb listeners would be thinking. Yeah. Are you referring to 10 years ago when I lost everything in the fire? Yes, I am. <laughs> the fat burning man. Yeah. So for me, that was, that was a critical moment because a lot of things that I thought were true became not true. And I had to face that because I, I lost everything and my health was suddenly gone. For, for really the first time in my life, I, I grew up being an athlete. I loved running. I raced mountain bikes for a while and played uh, you know, most sports that I could. And then it was when I, you know, uh, I was paying off my college loans by working that day job and I had to unbutton after you know, the big lunch, <laughs> as you were just talking about. And it was kind of in that stage of my life just after that. And uh, I came home one night and everything that I had, had burned up to a crisp in an apartment fire. So for me, I uh, really, life was such a mess at that point that I wanted to turn my broken body into a project because I looked into the mirror and my face was kind of just fat and puffy. And, you know, here I am in my early 20s. I should be at peak health still, you know, especially having been an athlete. And it just wasn't working out. And at the time, I had a 
because I was paying off my loans, I had a good insurance plan for health insurance. And so my doctor basically gave me all this advice to avoid health conditions that my family had, had encountered, like heart disease, high blood pressure, and all sorts of other things. And so I had been eating extremely low fat, almost no dietary cholesterol, um, and, and trying to follow his advice to a T, and it was making me fat and sick. And so it was by turning myself into a project and, and learning that, you know, I'll, I'll just tell the quick story. Long story short, it was only a couple of months of research uh, in, into uh, mostly cyclic ketogenic dieting, looking at old bodybuilding books and tomes from the 80s that my brother was into and combining that with a lot of things that I was raised with uh, from my mom, who was a holistic herbalist and, mm. and nurse practitioner. Combining those things together told me that, that basically everything that my doctor had told me was wrong. And because I was following his advice so well, that's what was making me fat and giving me that moon-shaped face and actually giving me the problem of high blood pressure uh, and, and trending toward heart disease that he said his advice was going to prevent. So anyway, <laughs> once I lost over 20, 30 pounds in just over a month, and kind of had my body back. Uh, I, I had muscles again, and mm. I could see uh, my abs again. And it, it was like easy to get the the body shape and the feeling that I wanted to for the first time ever because I kind of dialed it in. And I was like, "This wasn't." I was so mad. It's like this wasn't hard. This was actually quite quite simple to do. Like the steps that I followed and the things that I kicked out of my diet, I basically did the opposite of what my doctor told me to do. And then fat burning man was, was born. And I was so, so mad and passionate from being misled from trying to be healthy. And it was making me sick that I decided to just make a free show for people uh, and, and blog and podcasts and all that to try to get, get the truth out there. Because if people are willing to put in the work, pretty much everyone can, can get this done or at least get better um, with their own power, not by giving their power to a doctor or some external guru, but by embracing solid fundamentals of healthy eating and movement, putting it into action, and then your body rewards you. And that's very, very empowering, much more empowering than taking one of the half dozen prescription meds that my doctor had me on back then. <laughs> yeah, in your twenties as well. You know, it's not a in my early twenties. Yeah, it was my mm. first real job out of college. And I've seen those. I've seen those pictures of of that time. I think there's there's one that sticks in my mind of you uh, playing a guitar, and you really do have a very puffy white face, which is very different <laughs> to to how yeah, you, you really did have that mean face. In, just inflammation, right? Just amazing. Yeah. Well, Especially for me, uh, definitely inflammation. Looking at my genetic testing and food allergies and stuff like that, you know, which I've done a lot since then, um, I can see why I was so puffy and pale and, and low in vitamin D and had all sorts of deficiencies um, and, and toxins built up in the system at the same time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't share that story because I'm super special or because it's unique. I share that story because it's so common. That's the default. Like when I was at my first job and I'd put on the 20, 30 plus pounds, you know, looking around, I wasn't, I wasn't so bad. 
like yeah. pretty much everyone else had put on the freshman 15 and then the 15 that follows. And then, you know, maybe they had a baby and didn't lose the weight after that. So pretty much everyone's overweight working at their desks in this job. And so that was the default and it shouldn't be. That's, that's how I feel. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think what makes you special is that you, you had this passion and then you, you, you went with it and you, you made the show and you got out there and uh, really felt compelled to inspire other people to reclaim their health, um, which isn't easy to do. Like there's a lot of people that feel evangelical after they've had this Ah, totally. moments, right? Yeah. So what I'd love totally. to, and I know that I have quite a lot of listeners who are health coaches or they, you know, they, they want to do something that follows their passion. How have you done it? And what fears have you had to face along the way? Ooh. Yeah, that is such a great question. It's a big question. Uh, are you familiar with the imposter syn- syndrome? Oh, very, um, very sure much some- so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that, the imposter syndrome for people who are listening is basically uh, no matter where you are in life, your level of success or what you've done, you always have the sneaking suspicion that you're going to be found out and everyone's going to find out that you're a fraud and that all this, you're just a regular person and that all this was a big exaggeration or something. And uh, that feeling just doesn't go away. In fact, sometimes you can get pigeonholed into being uh a partial version of yourself, I'll say, especially if you're like a health coach, right? Because you want to lead by example, but you can't paint yourself into a corner at the same time. You still need to be a real person and, and being a robot in front of other people as an example, doesn't help. Like for example, if I were at the holidays with my wife's family and I woke up, you know, way early in the morning to go climb mountains and do all these sprints and stuff like that and ignore everybody. It's like, that's not totally appropriate. Mm-hmm. And if I only ate ate salads in front of everybody at Thanksgiving, uh, you know, the holiday over here as it is, people eat certain foods for whatever reason. And it's, it's weird to stick out. And also you have to acknowledge that you're not just an example as, as someone who eats or someone who trains, but you're an example as a human. Like what is a healthy, balanced state of being mean? And I think that's so much more important going after that as, as someone who's trying to heal people, right, as, as a coach, mm. than being the gun it all the time, like no pain, no gain. All of the stuff that you hear from the traditional media, really, in the magazines, that's what hurt me, you know? That's the wrong advice that I followed. So I don't ever want to give advice that, like, would have hurt me back then, if that makes sense. That's how I try to, to, to do my work and run this whole thing, is being like, let's... Obviously, we can't be perfect all the time, but you... You have to look at how people actually put your advice into action. So you have to be super careful with your words and I think not be too specific. Unless you're working one-to-one with someone, it's very difficult to say, to, to run down the rabbit hole and, and talk about cholesterol or saturated fat or even how many carbs you should have per day or what glucose does to your body versus sucrose and fructose and all of that. It's like, we don't need to be going down all these rabbit holes all the time with everybody. Sometimes we can just apply a little bit of common sense because that's what we should be building in people, right? Their ability to exist without us as coaches. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes that, that knowledge, that information, 
um, about cholesterol and glucose at the beginning of the journey to, to kind of explain why that way or that old you know, food pyramid paradigm isn't working. And um, that, that yeah. can really be good from an educational point of view, but most people kind of, kind of glaze over if you, start, <laughs> if you start giving them all of their like, yeah. research stats. They're totally. just like, okay, yeah, yeah, sweet as like, but what do I eat? And, and what do I eat for breakfast? Yes. Yeah. It's mostly break. What do I eat for breakfast? And, and, and how do I move my body and, um, all those sorts of things. So, so you, you, you've got your books, you've got your podcast, you do your coaching. Um, and it's just, it's just an incredible contribution, um, incredible contribution that you make, but I'd really love to just dig a little bit deeper in terms of like, you, you know, the imposter syndrome and, and how has it had to be a bit of a personal growth journey for you to put yourself out there um, as an expert and, and to build such a successful brand? Well, yes, because I'm not really an expert. I'm a you know, career musician and writer who got fat. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tried to figure out how not to be fat anymore and you know, kind of turned that hobby into something that could help other people. But I really hesitate to be called an expert in any, it's like, (laughs) I'm an expert in running a podcast at this point. I'm an expert in, uh, you know, kind of running our business. And in, if you need someone to plug in a PA for a music event, like I can do that. I'm an (laughs) guy, (laughs) but when it, when it comes to being an expert in health, that is a tricky one. It's a really tricky one. And I think it encourages imposter syndrome kind of because like if people are seeing me as a health guru, I don't like it. I'm still that normal guy. I can still get fat. I still get injured. Um, and just because I've been interviewing people for, for a long time now and been really interested in health for a long time still doesn't mean that I'm an expert. Now, a PhD, is that an expert? Hmm. I would say not necessarily. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. the, the true experts, I think, you know, they, they aren't really off doing podcasts most of the time. <laughs> I think what you want to be an expert in is being a generalist, if that makes sense. You want to be an expert in being balanced. That means mind, body, spirit. That means not just what you're eating, but what you're feeding your mind. And more importantly, what you're not feeding your mind right? Like the social media that you're not on most of the time might matter than the social media that that you're on in the same way that like diets work generally because of food that you're not eating anymore, not because the food that you're eating in the diet is super spectacular. So I think it's really, it's, it's more about balance and we all need to be careful with words there. And one of the reasons I do so many different kinds of work. And my new book is humor and poetry is because words are so tricky like that. And if you call yourself a self expert, even if you are, and, and you're a coach or whatever, you're painting yourself into a corner and it can be really, really tricky. (laughs) I've seen a lot of health experts be taken down over the years. And psychologically, that's where I see the problem. Because it's weird. It's like once, once you start interviewing, I'm sure you can relate because you've interviewed so many people at this point. Everyone's totally a real person when you get down deep enough. It's so true. And yeah. so, uh, it's so true. So and, yeah, and, we need, we, yeah. go ahead. 
Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about designer babies don't get, sorry, designer babies still get scabies. Um, because <laughs> when I, when, when we, when I booked you in for the podcast and I was speaking to your team, you know, I've got the wild diet and, um, and followed you and I'm like, he's, he's written some poetry. I'm like, designer babies don't get, still get scabies. I keep wanting to say don't get scabies. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And then I was really lucky to uh, receive, thank you, uh, the, the book. It was so good. And I was having a look at it and I was thinking, what is this? He's like, is he done some kind of like, um, right, you know, right turn from his health career? And then, and then I read it yeah. and I was like, this is so clever because you, uh, as I was saying to you before the show, you've married your, you know, your um, songwriting ability and, and poetry from, from your music career with what you've learned about health and the, the, the global health crisis and put the two together in such a fun way. You know, like I'm looking forward to sharing some of the, the, the poems with my kids because it's just such a fun way Aww. to get such a boring, serious message across, you know. Are you able to read? Yeah. Are you able to read one of your poems to us? Oh, sure. oh, yeah, that I can one do, that. On you. do you want to pick it out? <laughs> one of the ones at the the, 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 the beginning of the book, they were quite short and very okay. funny. <laughs> I know you've right, got the I book just behind you. <laughs> one up right here. I want to make sure it's not, well, I guess it doesn't matter as much. Since All right, you're if you've got a pond. favorite. You, one, I just want to say, like, not everyone will like this book. I, as Fat Burning Man, I smile and I put on my Captain America pants and I don't <laughs> swear. In this book, though, I, I kind of get some dirt underneath the fingernails and get down mm. and dirty with some politics. Even. Mm. So I just want to say that I apologize in advance if I ruffle any feathers. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Let's see. Let's just start with the first one. Designer babies still get scabies. Designer babies still get scabies. Herpes, typhoid, mumps, and rabies. Sure, they might get all the ladies, but designer babies still get scabies. It seems to me just a little crazy shopping for the DNA of your baby like you'd pick a dress or pluck a daisy. It may even be a little bit lazy to declare, scientists will save me, instead of, look at all the gifts God gave me. <laughs> Why, thank you. Bravo. I love it. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. And, and so, so, yeah, so that, that's just such an interesting, like, I don't know, it's just such a clever, fresh way. Like, I've never seen anybody do this with this message so well done (laughs) thank you it's interesting i became very frustrated as a musician because i was almost like uh expecting the world of the 1960s where people still played guitar and listened to songs like the generally people at home would, would still entertain each other by playing music and they learned how to play instruments and sing together. And it's weird how we don't really have that in culture so much anymore. Like a lot of people don't know how to play instruments and they don't think that they're singers, so they don't sing together anymore. And so because of that, they don't get, they don't listen to lyrics a lot of the time. Like most people aren't really trained to in modern music, like a lot of the lyrics really don't matter anymore. So I really wanted to find a way to communicate some of these ideas and metaphors 
um, that was outside of just long form me running my mouth. And I thought that this type of book might be cool because other people can read it. You know, kids can read it. We were just together for the holidays with, with my wife's family and the kids were reading the poems aloud and the grandmother was <laughs> too. And everyone in between, it's just so much fun because it feels like that's what culture is supposed to be when you're participating in it, when you're the one who's singing or, or reading or whatever. And that's, that's, what's really fun. Yeah, no, I agree. We've, we've really, we've gone from, you know, the, the sitting around the fire, sharing the stories, all singing together, playing the instruments together to, you know, sitting in a stadium with a million other people watching one person on stage. And exactly. it is, it is so much better, isn't it? When you are part of it um, and, and contributing. So yeah, such a genius way to, to do it. So, and, and yeah, and like you say, not just, not just a, a vehicle for a very important message, but a really cool way to, yeah, to, to, it's very primal to um, the way that you've done it. It's, it's very cool. Cool. Thank you for saying so. It doesn't seem so at first. Everyone's like, what is Abel doing? That's what I was really him? scratching my head. I was like, what, what, what the heck? And then I was like, uh-huh. And I was like, you're, you're a genius. You're an absolute genius. Now. I appreciate it. Thank you for saying that. Now that we, we're talking a little bit about lifestyle, um, I really admire um, the, the lifestyle that you and Alison have designed and followed you when you were sort of more on the road and you kind of like were traveling gypsies. And I love that too. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's brilliant that you've taken your passion and been able to create a lifestyle that really works for you and Alison. Can you tell us a little bit about the things that are important to you both in your lifestyle? The daily routine is probably our most important treasured treasured thing that we have. We both um, write in blank notebooks and we do that every day and we'll, we'll make lists or we'll brainstorm or what have you. But that is my most important tool. And uh, almost every single morning, I'll write out not necessarily what I have to do that day, like a to-do list, but also what I want to do. And when you combine those things together and you kind of I, I do it on a big sketch pad. So like the fun things are kind of on the right and the more worky things are on the left. It becomes a fun game. So I would say our routine, but we start off doing a lot of similar things. So we'll, we'll start by fasting and um, generally we'll have coffee in the mornings and we'll have it together. It's kind of like a nice little ritual. I, I love making coffee. And the work tends to be um, focused and usually creative instead of consumptive. We're not like consuming a lot of things, especially early in the day. And I'm talking about information. We're saving that early part of the day for focused work that we can do with kind of our horse blinders on in a good way. Mm -hmm. And another thing we work into the day, usually in the morning, it could be midday. Sometimes we follow the sun and, and kind of like how warm it is or cold it is outside. It, it, we'll switch it around, but we'll, um, perform movements, uh, and stretches. So we do Qigong. We've been doing that for many years now. And it, it's kind of like Tai Chi or yoga type moves, but basically putting your body through a bunch of moving meditations and, and movements that are going to maintain your mobility. So for a long time, I thought that especially being a young man. It's all about like lifting heavy and being faster and all of that. But what it's really about, especially as the years go on, is about maintaining your balance, um, not just physical coordination, that's definitely a part of it, but also 
um, your balance in the sense that you, when you go down to the floor, you can get back up yeah. without it being too much of a problem. You can bend over and touch your toes and you can bend backwards and all of these things. So we work that into the day and, and then what's not in it is, um, a lot of phone notifications or phone calls. We really try to be careful with our phones, especially early in the day and careful also with, with technology in general. So if we can, we try to do our work in analog just by writing or, uh, or, or producing or creating in some other way that doesn't have to be, you know, so freaked out and technologized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Those, those are just really awesome um, tips that people could take away and, and put into their own lives. I don't know what it's like across the pond, but I don't see many people who are like off their phones sketching over here in the States these days. No, there's not many people sketching over here either. But, um, but I think there is, a, there is a big movement away from um, phone notifications. And I read an interesting like, mm-hmm. meme on, on Facebook the other day that said, you know, like in the 90s, we were all getting, um, we spent hours finding the right ringtones for different people on our phone. <laughs> and, now, and now it's just like, I've, I've even got a message on my on my answering service that says I don't take phone calls. So can you email me? And I, I've got a really good excuse of the fact that I live in the wilderness and you know, um, the reception is pretty dodgy. It's like Womba. It's a good rubbish. One, yeah. It's a good excuse, but phone calls, like how rude, like we, I think we've, we've moved and they do just kind of completely jolt the whole nervous system. Like, Who is it? What is it? Is it an emergency? Yeah. I'm not prepared. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going into. So I, I like all of those tips. Have you got any other like really um, non-negotiable lifestyle um, tips? Because I love this kind of thing. Deep breathing every day in one way or another. Uh, so after the moving meditation, I do an actual meditation for just 10 minutes usually. Um, it doesn't turn you into some guru. It doesn't like change your life completely, but it really does help you. It helps my mood not be so type A. Uh, it helps me be, well, I, I kind of bake gratitude into it. So I do some, some things in my head, like listing off at least three things that I'm grateful for and at least three things that I, uh, envision happening that day. Um, that I will be grateful for <laughs> and a number of other things that I've just kind of like collected into my bag of, of meditation mental tricks over the years that, that I put in there. And Allison has hurt my wife. Allison has hers too. And they might be a little bit different from mine, but it looks the same when we're sitting silently next to each other, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, I, I think what I'm trying to say is you can do all these analog things your own way and it doesn't have to be hypey and you don't have to call yourself a, a minimalist or a yogi or whatever the, yeah. the, the in thing is. You can just do these very simple things that used to be a part of our daily lifestyle. Like everyone used to bend over and lift something up and, and do some physical labor every single day as, as a functional living. We don't anymore. And we don't really have that, si- well, you do because you live in the wilderness, but you don't really usually have that silence anymore and that time to yourself to be reflective and take that eagle eye view of your life and what you'd like to accomplish as opposed to the, <laughs> the opposite of the eagle eye view, which is looking into your phone, getting Zuckerbergled. 
<laughs> Zuckerbergles. That's gold. That's a new hashtag. Is that an actual it's hashtag? It's from uh, Designer Babies. There's, there's uh, a poem about the Zuckerbergler. He makes oh. his debut. Oh, <laughs> gold. Very, very clever. Very, very clever. Now, before we get to the end of the show, I would like to know Abel James's um, personal, and this isn't, you know, this isn't any health guru advice, folks. Uh, this is just Abel James's <laughs> personal opinion on the three uh, gray areas I see in the paleoprimal ancestral health lifestyle, which are coffee. We've already said you like to have a coffee with heavy cream and a beautiful ritual with your wife on a morning, which just sounds lovely. Alcohol and chocolate. Okay. Well, funny story. When I went to the first paleo effects, uh, I was really worried. This was in Austin, Texas. I was really, really worried that they wouldn't have coffee there because it's totally not paleo. <laughs> There's no way that's paleo. And then I showed up and there was tons of coffee there. So Yay! that's great. That's one of those things where it's like, we cannot be perfectly paleo or primal or anything else because there is, the, I mean, that does not exist. There was no checklist back then. Back then, and there probably wasn't coffee. But if they found coffee, they would totally drink it. They'd find they a way totally to prepare it. Drink it. Drink it. Yeah. So, um, now the second one, alcohol. That's when I go back on back and forth on in the sense that like um, I just did about a year without any alcohol, and my wife did as well. And I'll kick out alcohol when life is too challenging, or when I feel like I'm not getting good sleep, or I feel like I'm pushing it a lot and I'm stressed out um, because alcohol will destroy your sleep. Even if you just have a little bit, sometimes you can get away with it, but usually you can't. And, and kind of the older you are, the less you can get away with in yeah. most cases. And even if you do get away with drinking alcohol, uh, usually you pay for it in one way or another the next morning, even if that means just waking up a half an hour or an hour later or just being a little bit groggier. That means to me that I won't wake up and play the piano or practice guitar. I'll wake up and probably just wake up a little bit later and, and have some extra coffee and not do that thing that otherwise I'd feel like I had the energy to do. Now that said, I'm, it, it's, it's the holidays here and I do enjoy uh, a good beer or wine or even a little dram of scotch from time to time. But the difference is I used to be paid in alcohol <laughs> and tips yeah. as a musician and a lot of tips were shots of alcohol. And I can say with the experience of someone who, who knows how to drink, as they say, uh, the, the challenge as you get older and the thing that I would encourage people to embrace is, is trying to get a buzz off of one beer instead of six of them. You know, <laughs> try to, uh, if you do indulge in alcohol, you can do it in a way where it's more like you're savoring the taste and the slight buzz of it, but really tuning in, you know? So what we were talking about before with that guy who was on his phone, like drinking <laughs> the French fries, you want to be doing the opposite, opposite of that with alcohol. And I would argue as well, one of the, the influential books that I read probably more than a decade ago, uh, French Women Don't Get Fat. She talks about in that book, I've forgotten the name of the author, but she talks about growing up and her mother eating chocolate. And she says, <laughs> everyone had to shut up basically. And, and it had to be total silence so she could focus. And she'd put a little morsel of chocolate in her mouth and the eyes would roll back in her head. And she would just go into a state of ecstasy. 
the way to eat chocolate. I think, yeah, that's the way to eat chocolate. Mm -hmm. Now, not everyone can get away with, with these things, right? Like alcoholics shouldn't be drinking a beer or two every night. And Mm -hmm. similar thing with any vice, right? Whether that be caffeine and coffee, alcohol, or anything else, you, you want to be careful with it and you want to be honest about it. And so uh, I think if you feel like you're comfortable with having chocolate and you don't sit down and like mow through a whole bar, then that's totally cool. But there are, it, I've, I've learned this on my podcast and, and talking to people and coaching people over the years that everyone is, is a bit different and some people just need to cut it out cold turkey for good sometimes. Um, whereas I can have, you know, a little bit of chocolate and it's not that big of a deal or, or a beer or two. So be very conscious of who you are and be moderate about it. And remember, there is no perfect paleo, wild, primal or anything else. It, it's really about what is working for you. Not what worked for you five years ago or two yes. years ago or yesterday, but what's working for you right now. And that's always going to be a moving target. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect advice. I really like that because that's a question that I ask a lot of my guests. Well, I ask, it's, it's a, it's a question I ask all of my guests and as well as what did you have yeah. breakfast? Cause everybody needs breakfast ideas, right? Most people fast, which isn't very helpful, sure. but, um, but yeah, the, 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 that's really interesting. And I think that is probably the most balanced and rounded, uh, opinion that I've had on those three gray areas, because most people are very, they've got a very strong opinion about yes or no. And so Right. Thank you. For that. And that must speak from your years of podcasting and, and um, you know, speaking to so many different people and, and hearing so many different opinions that, you know, and obviously your own uh, experiments with yourself and what works. And that's, that's probably the most perfect answer ever. I don't think I'm going to ask anyone else that question ever again because you just nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I felt, from my perspective, when I try to explain balance, it just feels like I'm talking in circles and not really saying anything, but I'm glad <laughs> that you get it. That landed, that landed really well. Now we are at the end of the show and I know that my listeners will just be very sad to um, hear that it's the end of the show because you've just got one of those lovely chocolatey voices that you could just carry on listening to um, for hours and hours and hours. So can you please tell our listeners where they can find your podcast, where they can find you, how can they get their hands on your incredible new book? Thank you. And, and thanks again for having me here and for listening. Um, the easiest place to find the book, let's start right there, is designerbabiesbook.com. But the easiest way to find me and listen to that chocolatey voice is going to be <laughs> uh, by looking for Fat Burning Man. You can go to fatburningman.com. I have over 300 episodes there, including one coming up with you. Yeah. It's yet to be recorded in the future. <laughs> and uh, so fatburningman.com for that one and designer baby's book for the new book and audiobook I should say and actually if you if you get the paperback which you can do uh, over in Australia or in the UK or or wherever it's already actually a number one bestseller in a bunch of different countries which I'm just so psyched about um, but you can order the paperback copy in your country most of them anyway and when you do if you go to designerbabiesbook.com I'll send you the audiobook for free cuz audiobook here's the secret behind that Audiobooks don't really make money for the creators anymore. <laughs> so oh. you might as well give it away for free and uh, get some people involved because that's what it's really all about. 
Yeah, so you get you get so you, you get the double you get the chocolatey voice and you get the book. Brilliant. And the audiobook. Yeah, yeah you get yeah. the chocolatey voice that you can kind of listen along to. Because <laughs> some of these poems, they're a little tricky. They're tongue twisters in there. Mm. They're I, I messed myself up many times. <laughs> It's awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Uh, I'm going to get some, we, we've got a Primalista, a Primal Alternative producer in Iowa. Um, so I don't know how far away that is from you. Is it like days traveling to get there? It's a, it's a road trip. I did that drive um, last year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so the postal system would uh, allow some products to travel within a couple of days, do you reckon? Presumably so. Okay. Well, let's get some primal alternative products to you. So I've got to send some cookies so I can oh, have a bit of a cookie, bit of a cookie off with Alison and see, um, see what she thinks. Oh my gosh. That sounds like the best thing ever. <laughs> and we'll get some, probably get some bread out to you as well. Um, maybe some pizza bases as well. So you can enjoy those and let me know what you think. Wow. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. I, I was just reading about all the stuff that you make. I'm just like, I really want to try this. Well, there you go. I'll get some to you and uh, I hope you love it. Um, it'd be great if you, if you, if you did enjoy it, that would be an extra bonus. Very I'm cool. I'm sure we will. Abel, well, thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's been so lovely to chat to you today and I'll talk to you again very soon. Right on. Yeah. We'll chat tomorrow. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.